Hello, welcome to What Theatre Means to Me. My name is Todd Dugan. I'm a musical theatre performer, producer, and podcaster. And in this podcast, I chat to actors and creatives about their career highs and career lows, how they got into the theatre industry, and what theatre really means to them. In this episode, I chat to my lovely friend Daniel Nash. Dan graduated from Italia Conti Acting back in 2020, so we talk a lot about his time at college and how COVID impacted that um, and what he's been up to since then. So this is a really lovely episode and I hope you enjoy it. This is What Theatre Means to Daniel Nash. Welcome to What Theatre Means to Me. My name is Todd Dugan and I'm joined today by the lovely Daniel Nash. Hi Daniel, how are you? Hello mate, I'm good, how are you? Yeah, good Tom. Not <laughs> bad, not good, bad. Um, so the first question I've got for you is, what's the first thing you remember seeing at the theatre? Oh, luckily that's an easy one. So the first thing I ever went to see, um, my mum... And her work friends were going to see a play at the RSC and then they cancelled so she had no choice but to bring me and my brother and we were only little kids yeah. and um, I think I was like 11 years old or something like that and we were massive fans of Doctor Who and like, um, like loads of sci-fi shit and we got to see as our first ever theatre production uh, David Tennant and Patrick Stewart do Hamlet at the RSC. That's amazing. And we waited at the stage door, but it was raining, and we, we, we couldn't meet them or anything, but we, we were just absolutely fascinated. Yeah. Because, um, obviously, Hamlet's such a long play, and the RSC version is probably not as cut as most versions that are done because they're you know, giving it some service. Um, and, uh, yeah, when we, when we got there, my mum always says that the the staff would be like, oh, are you sure the kids are going to be all right? Because uh, it's a long play and, you know, kids focusing in the theatre. I mean, we experience it at the NT, like yeah, disruptive audiences and stuff like that. So they they were like checking, ah, oh, the kids going to be okay. And my mum my was just like, I think they'll be fine. And we were just on the edge of our seat for the whole really? thing. And it's like, so, yeah. it's like, it's like three hours long. Oh, it, yeah. it was massive, yeah. And... Uh, like seeing the sword fight, it was just—it's just absolutely amazing. So, we we were just completely sold, and I think that's where my sort of love of theatre and predominantly Shakespeare as well started. Yeah, was was from that when I was a kid. Yeah, that's that's probably where it all started. That's good. So, yeah. was, how old were you when you saw that? Uh, so I think I think I was eleven. I think it was two thousand and eight. And it must have been before my birthday, so I want to say 11, nice. 11 years old, just a kid, in, like towards the end of primary school, and yeah, nice. just set me up. That's, That's good. So was that was that the show that you were like, I want to do this as a as a career, or was there something later down um, the line that you were like, I can see myself being an actor. This is what I want to do. Yeah, it was like a, a culmination of a few things. Looking back, I can trace it a little bit back to that. Yeah, but that wasn't actually where it clicked as this is what I want to do. I think that just started a little bit of a love for theatre nice. and like an appreciation for Shakespeare because other than that, you do it in English at school and it almost feels like a chore the way it's taught sometimes in schools. But when you get to experience it 
the way it's supposed to be experienced, listened to and seen, then you understand it fully rather than just sort of reading it yeah. in English. Um, but yeah, so I'm, that's not where I like chose to become an actor, wasn't it, at that age. I, I, I think when I was a kid, I was mostly like into maths and, and the oh, numbers really? and that sort of things. Really? I wasn't really a wordsy kid or anything at all. I, uh, yeah, I was, if I didn't choose acting, I'd have been an astrophysicist or really? something like that. <laughs> yeah, because no, I'm like fascinated in space and all that yeah, kind of yeah. stuff. Um, yeah, so senior school, my, my friends were doing like the school plays and then my school did this thing. It's like a Welsh thing called Eisteddfod. Right. And at my school, what that was, it was like an acting and arts and uh, music and it's like um, an inter-house arts competition, that's it. Yes. And uh, every house would put on a play, a choir, a vocal, an instrumental, a dance and a spoken word. And my friends would always do the plays and I, I think I was in year eight and I saw them do the play. I was like, oh, that looks like so much fun. Yeah. So I was like, right, next year I'm going to join on and do it. It's the first ever like role I did that wasn't like a primary school nativity or that kind of thing. <laughs> I was the bossy king as a, as a kid and then, <laughs> and, then <laughs> and then in year two I did like um, the nativity. They, because I did well a couple of years before as the bossy king, they put me as Joseph. No. <laughs> I wanted to be with my mates, so I cried and I wanted to be a shepherd. <laughs> so I gave up Joseph for the shepherds. That's so funny. I, was, yeah. I think I was like the narrator or something. Oh, no. Nice. I was like, yeah, I've, I've made like, it. I've done like, it. Kids, I've I'm, made a, it. I'm holding the show down. That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, oh, nativities are funny. They're I'm fine, so right? much fun, aren't They're they? So <laughs> <laughs> it's nuts. Yeah. So, other than that, when I was like a really little kid, then coming into year nine, where I did the I Steadford play for my house. Oh, my first ever role was in the... It was called the Unionised League of Background Characters was the role. <laughs> because uh, we, in my house, we had a sort of tradition for writing... Like the six, normally the sixth formers or like the oldest drama kids would write the plays themselves and often ours would do really well. So it just became a thing in our house that we were the, like some of the drama lot. Yeah. Um, and in this, it was like the small parts for everyone that didn't get a, like a proper part was the background characters and they called it that. So that's, so that's what I did. And we had a little moment in the somewhere where we were like the butt of a punchline or something. <laughs> but even just that, just that small moment and then getting that laugh, it was just that little adulation that made it sort of, it's a bug, isn't it? And yeah. as soon as you catch it, you go, oh, I want more of that. Yeah, I want more of that. So um, from there, it was like, okay, I'm going to do more of these. I did... Um, and did Little Shop of Horrors at school, and then each year started doing um, the, the school plays, the Eisteddfod plays, and then that was sort of my way into just doing acting. Obviously, ended up choosing GCSE drama, pretended to my family that it was for confidence, when really I was like, oh, I really want to do this. Yeah. And then I think it was when I was like 14 or 15, I was like, I had this sort of weird existential epiphany, probably quite early being like, what's the point? in a career that you don't enjoy, might as well pick the thing I enjoy the most. And that happened at that time to be, to be acting. Acting. Yeah, and it was it's stories and storytelling in general because I remember at the time, it was around the time the Hunger Games films were coming out. Nice. And I was getting into the books at that time as well. And just that whole story like had me so captured. And then I'd start watching like the interviews with the actors and 
and the media press releases and stuff and just being like what they're doing right now being in those stories and getting to tell those stories and clearly having lots of fun while they're doing it yeah. and it's like that's exactly what I want to do so it's like plays at school a good influence from when I was a kid and then <laughs> somehow the Hunger Games <laughs> that partly started off me being like all together actor oh, yeah, and Josh Hutcherson as well <laughs> I was like he was the boy in that I was like my man but yeah and then I think when I was 16, I joined... 16? Uh, just before my 16th birthday, I joined a youth theatre. Nice. And there's sort of a culture within my youth theatre of... It, that From that youth theatre, everyone that seriously tries to go for drama school ends up getting in at some point. That's brilliant. And that sort of set the tone of, oh, this is how you go from being a kid that likes acting and thinks, oh, I'd love to be an actor someday, into okay, this is a realistic idea of how to try to get into the industry. Yeah. The idea of drama school then became apparent. And then I remember watching the, the sort of director's cut ones, you know, the um, episodes of stuff where they sort of the cast or the director will talk over the episode yes. and talk about yeah. it and what happened behind the scenes while you're watching it at the same time. I was watching the, the BBC Sherlock with, you know, Benedict Cumberbatch and Martin Freeman and they were talking over the episode and they were mentioning drama schools and they had some sort of joke like to do with Martin going to Central and then they'd always cut back in with oh, other drama schools are available. <laughs> and I was like, okay, let's have a little look into these. And I'd like researched all of them, the history of them, who went to where and started going, oh, I have to do this. Yeah. And then from talking to my youth theatre director and everything like that, um, and the people that went there and old, I suppose, alumni from my youth theatre sort of coming back and teaching and uh, doing workshops and talking about drama school. And you could hear in their voices that they'd been trained. There was something different about the way they were talking. Absolutely. They, it, was, it was just another level and another thing to add to that yeah. idea of this is something I really want to do and have to do and then I will do. Yeah. And yeah, so, so then... And drama school. <laughs> and drama school, that's it. Uh, and I think, I yeah. don't know if you're the same, but I very much have not got theatrical parents and theatrical uh, in that kind of way. They enjoy going to the theatre, but they're not, my parents aren't actors or anything. Yeah. So finding out about drama school was a whole kind of revelation thing. You're doing all that research yourself because that exposure only really comes when you're like 16, 17. You find yeah. out about that kind of thing and you go oh, there is a way for me to get this, um, which I didn't know about before, and now I can actually strive for that, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's the same with me with um, parents. Like my mum's an accountant, my dad's an engineer, so yeah. the least acty things you could probably think. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's useful having an accountant as a mum as an actor, because <laughs> then I don't really have to worry about sorting that out myself. Yeah, that's good. Uh, but... Yeah, the one the one thing, even though they weren't really theatre people in terms of acting, one thing my mum told me way after I'd got into acting was that one sign she thought from early could have been an influence from them was that while my mum and my dad were like together pre me being born and then while we were kids and stuff, right. they would actually go and see Shakespeare in the park as their thing. So and my family they? still do that to this day. Do they? They'll, they'll, like if a good um, like Shakespeare in the park near our area will, will come up, we'll be like, 
we free, we go in, we did. So it's, yeah, it's, it's become part of a thing. So my family, turns out, do have like an inclination to, towards it, but they never did it. Yeah. So it was sort of breaking, as you say, breaking down that sort of barrier to be like, oh no, this is a way I can get into this kind of thing. That's it. Which That's... was lovely. And yeah. being exposed to Shakespeare so early is so nice as well. Oh. I went to see... Actually, yesterday I went to see Comedy of Errors at the, at the Globe. Oh, I saw that on your Insta story. Yeah, Incredible. it was a good. Incredible. Oh, so I love good. that. It was so good. Um, and there was a school group there, and you mm. could tell they were really disinterested. Uh, some of them were really interested, and most of them just weren't engaged. And I could, I could tell. I kept looking over, and I was like, yeah. God, in five, six years' time, you'll really appreciate, I don't know, when you're doing your... English GCSEs and when you because they were probably about 10, 11 yeah like when you're that bit older or becoming an adult you will really appreciate being exposed to Shakespeare oh completely so young because it's just it's just it's, nothing like it's, it it's what, honestly one of a kind like it's interesting with the whole kids and Shakespeare and how they understand it or if they will or if they switch off to it so I was doing a, a tour of a Shakespeare play All's Well That Ends Well in nice. summer 2021 and it was interesting with audiences. Some of our best audience members and most engaged people and people that got it the most were the kids in the audience. Really? And I remember the person playing the king, she spotted this kid that was getting really uh, invested in the play and was, you could tell they were sort of, the kid was almost standing up to try and be like, oh, I want to be involved kind of thing. Yeah. So when she's doing like this ending speech as the king, she sort of takes off this homemade crown that she'd made and sort of hands it to the kid as almost like a handing over wow. on, onto you kind of thing. And I think if that, if that kid happens to grow up and be like, wow, Shakespeare, wow, drama and, and acting and stuff, then that, you know, you don't realise the power you can have as an actor. You can influence a kid to just want to do the same and, and Absolutely. enter that world. Yeah. I, I could tell this, the actory kids from them and watching it and some of them being really invested and some of them really laughing about because comedy of is it's really silly. So, silly. So it's silly. So, but it's so good. Mm. Um, so you could see them laughing and then a bit afterwards, well, when it finished, I was like, going to the toilet or whatever and all yeah. these kids were in the toilet and some of them were just like I had no idea what was going on I was really bored and I was <laughs> oh, like that's no. such a shame that is like, such honestly, a shame yeah I was so that was really sad but then uh, probably the other half of the of their group were the complete opposite and we're really and that's it you're not going to grab everyone but Shakespeare's just so it's the beginning of language as we know it now isn't it it's, just, yeah. it's the beginning of these incredible plays and musicals and we wouldn't if we didn't have if we wouldn't have had Shakespeare, we wouldn't have Hamilton, so many more the contemporaries. Crucible, know, yeah. Contem yeah, we wouldn't have anything like that. So yeah, completely. Um, yeah, in I mean, when I was at the end of first year at drama school, my Shakespeare was Comedy of Errors, and I was Dromeo of Syracuse. Nice. And oh my god, it was it's so much fun, and it's it's because you think there was like a thing for a while of like. Shakespeare feeling a bit, you know, a little bit uppity, a little bit um, posh, and as, as a kid, you don't, you, unless you're given the introduction to it um, in a way that works for you, you don't necessarily see it as accessible sometimes. It feels like... Um, it feels um, like there's like a bit of a... Like a, a, a divide, divide, like, divide, like yeah, yeah, like like it's almost like a classist thing where it felt like it was, no, not classist, elitist thing where it felt like it was for other people um, from different backgrounds than yourself, but... 
I think the thing that puts that to put that to bed for me was I was doing I was doing Shakespeare in in first year, and because we've been working on RP and stuff, obviously because it's first year, we um, I was I was doing this RP accent for this character, and you know it'd been fun, it'd been okay, it'd been good, but something just didn't quite click, and it didn't quite feel right. And we did the we did sort of performing to the rest of the school when once we'd sort of finished and it was it was ready. We did the first day of performance and it, something just didn't quite feel right. Right. So I I spoke to the director the next morning because I'd had an idea that after the first performance that night I'd been playing with the script just in a different way and I came in the next morning and I said to the director, do you mind if I change the accent of the character and just use like my own so like brummy, but exaggerate the hell out of it? And he was like, you know what, go for it, and it's the best decision. So. Yeah. And we forget, oh. we forget, really, obviously we were very lucky because we're both from the Midland. Mm. I remember at drama school there was a point we were doing a, a voice lef- lesson, we were doing bits on Twelfth Night and we were doing some stuff. And my, our voice teacher just goes, right, who in this room would original Shakespearean actors sounded like? And everyone was like, oh, Matthew over there was from London or whatever. Yeah, and be I, all and people I was that like, were neutral. And, and I was like... And no, I think it would be me, Miss. And yeah, she was like, no, exactly, exactly um, that. Everyone yeah. would have a, a, a Midlands twang, and I think hearing it in that original way. So that one of the lads playing Dromeo yesterday mm. got a really thick Brummy accent. Did he fantastic? And I loved it. And I was it like, it works so it well for him. So well. Yeah, because yeah. there's um, this line where he he's um, is it Nell the the cook that he's disgusted by and he's, he's running from. Yeah. He, he's describing her and everything wrong with this woman. And there's, there's a line where he's, he's describing a face and like, like spots and blemishes and stuff on it. He's using like a metaphor to, to describe it. And he says it's like, oh, she's got rubies and carbuncles and sapphires, like different gems. It's that bright on her face. Yeah. But to have those vowel sounds where it really indulge in the, like the rubies and yeah. the, the carbuncles like it just <laughs> it makes Nell the cook sound so much more disgusting and it makes it so much funnier which is the whole point of that character as well is, is, that, is for that comedy that scene about Nell is just so oh, it's funny hilarious so funny it's one of my favourite things bits of acting I've ever done it's <laughs> so funny yeah um, no it's brilliant no I I love it so you went to drum school you went to Italia Conti I did indeed go years. to Italia Conti uh, did you enjoy that experience? Did you enjoy content? Oh, enjoy... I loved it. Yeah. Drum school was, there's nothing quite like there's it. Like it so. Yeah, so I, so I auditioned for three years. Uh, I did once when I was in sixth form, then had a year, like an involuntary gaff year, <laughs> um, because I obviously didn't get in first time round. Um, did a little short course at Lambda for two weeks. Nice which was like working on audition technique oh, and like, it was like almost like an introduction to, to drama school if anything which you know made the bug even worse I then had to go because I'd had a two week taster at Lambda yeah. and I went wow there's nothing quite like that and being in a room with that many actors and like at that level rather than like at a school level and with with the directors and tutors and stuff being like wow this is really exciting stuff that we're working on yeah. and that was just a two week short course so I, I did that when I was 18 at the start of my year out, like in that summer, uh, year out, auditioned again, and the two schools 
that took interest in me that year were the two that also then took interest in me the following year. I was like, okay, I'm sensing a pattern. These right. two might be more for me then. Um, and it was a foundation offer from Italia Conti. Yes. And then um, it was like a foundation waiting list, but I'd had a recall at Oxford School of Drama. Oh, nice. I loved Oxford. Auditioning at Oxford was so good because it's in the middle of nowhere and I love being out in that fields and yeah. stuff and nature and that. And so I just pissed off to the other side of a field midway through the day, did a vocal warm-up, practiced my speeches like on the other side of this field. Really nice. And then I came back with like 10 minutes to spare before my slot and just walked in feeling fantastic. Yeah. And that probably really helped with that audition and made them go, oh, okay, we quite like this guy, um, see what he's like. And then, yeah, and it was this... So I then accepted the foundation at Conti. It was weird, you get... Foundations are an interesting one because it feels like a lot of people from foundation... Oh, sorry, a lot of people on BAs have done foundations. Yeah. Um, and it's, it almost feels like oh, there's a little bit of gatekeeping of people that have been at drama schools and get into drama schools in a, right, in a yeah. certain way. I know what you mean. Um, but then it's weird because you get like a mix of people on, on foundation. You get obviously the people whose families can straight up afford it and just help them, help them and then... They, they can just try and get in that way. And that, that's great if that's you. I mean, no judgment on that. If no, that that's yeah. great. Do what you have to do to try and get in. But then you get a sort of get the, the other people who can't necessarily afford it, but because of what I said before about there's a lot of foundation, ex-foundation people on BAs, um, naturally, as you'd expect, because they've been at drama school for a year, they kind of know what they're doing, probably more so than people that are fresh out of school, yeah. for example. I had to be, I was like okay I might need to be one of these people that has to pull strings do a foundation and then go for, get then get into the BA and that ended up being the thing so my dad had to you know cut a load out of his pension all my a year of earnings from my involuntary gap year all went into it um, and then just a tiny bit of an inheritance money and I just had to deal with what I had and then try and get through a year in London <laughs> with with all that um, so pull strings and then I luckily got in, but it was not smooth sailing to get in. So I had a weird one with... Um, so the auditions from Foundation to BA at Conti were in March back then, the preliminary round. And I was lucky enough to get recall, which was great. Like I think like five people got in straight away or four or something like that. Right. And then 10 of us got recalled and the rest got rejected. Then from there, the 10 recalls about it was like a, for like a month or two later out of the 10 recalls four of us got waiting list but none got accepted yeah it's like okay cool uh then those four of us that were lucky enough to be on waiting list we were told that you'll find out by mid-july right come mid-july two of them found out they got in great and there was two of us me and a girl called lucy we were both sort of still on the waiting list. We we're like, okay, see how it goes. She got a, a place in another drama school, so she was kind of okay anyway. Yeah. Um, and I was like, right, that just sort of leaves me the only one left in limbo of am I going to drama school or not? I was yeah. like, okay, this is this is fun. I'll just stay in limbo while everyone else knows what they're going to roughly doing, be doing yeah. next year. I was like, okay. And then come the was it the second of August? Still hadn't found out, and I was like. It's a, that, that was accommodation day for people to work out where they were living. You were about a month away from starting the course then, really. Exactly. Yeah. So I was like, okay, so I emailed the, um, the then head of 
foundation and first year to be like, oh, um, we're supposed to find out mid-July, just check in what the, what the situation is um, and when we might find out. And he said, oh, um, you know, you find it, you find out very soon. I was like, cool. So on the 8th of August, I got, uh, I, was in, I was in like a park in Cambridge um, for like a day out and, and I got this rejection email from Conti. I was like, ah, okay. So I was like, right, now at least I know. So yeah. I, was, I, was, I sat there on a memo and I started like planning all the places I wanted to go traveling and all this sort of stuff. I was like, right, let's do this. Let's get this life experience that they always talk about <laughs> and then come back and go again. Yeah, yeah. And I was actually getting quite excited about that and I was like buzzing. Okay, I've, I've, I've not got in, but I've been close, which means I've, I could probably get close again, maybe get in at some point. I was like, great, cool. Bit of enthusiasm. You know, obviously after off the bat of being like, ugh, didn't get in. And then the girl that was also still on waiting list, she, we, we both messaged instantly being like, did you get the email? Yeah. Rejected? Yeah. You too? Yeah. Cool. Um, so she then went to the other drama yeah. school. Uh, so then I was like, okay, I'll do my traveling thing. Then the next day, the 9th of August, I was at my then girlfriend's house in the middle of nowhere in Hertfordshire. And... And I remember I'd left my phone in another room and we'd had breakfast. So I, I didn't see the three missed calls, two voicemails, two emails no. that, that had come through that morning. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we finished breakfast or whatever. Then I, I just happened to go grab my phone and I just look and I see all this. And I was like, Italia Conti, three missed calls, two voicemails. I was like, what? So I, li- I listen to these voicemails, I'm like, all right, okay. And it's like, is the, the, the guy on the, in the office, Chris, being like, hello, my boy, could you please call us, at, like, urgently? I was like, oh, okay. Now, being in the countryside, there's no signal. signal. There's no signal. So this, this whole thing was like... My heart was racing for like ages until, until this got sorted. Like Honestly, so I was like in the living room with my phone to the window, like, <laughs> please work. So uh, I, I can't remember if I tried using a landline as well and something, but I eventually I got through. And by this point, the guy that left the message had gone home. It was, it was, it was um, another guy in the office. And he was like, oh, um, hi, Dan. Yeah, great to hear from you. Good, good, to, good to chat. Uh, so basically what's happened is, and then it cuts off. I was, like, I was like, what's, what's going on? Fuming. And I tell you, I was fuming. I was like, what's happening? So I get through again. And he's like, I was like, oh, sorry, bad signal in the countryside. He's like, oh, okay, yeah, no worries. So I'll, I'll cut to the chase. Basically, again, what's happened is, cuts again. Like, no, please, for the love of God, what's happening? So I luckily get through a third time. And he goes, right, not going to be about the bush. Someone's deferred. Do you want to join us in September? It's like, oh. I paused for like half a second then, not even working out the implications of can I do this, will this work, you know, student finance, do I have anywhere to live? I was just like, in my head I was like, I may not ever get into drama school again. Yes. I was like, yes, done, done. (laughs) And then that was, from there that was it. And I could hear, because I had it on speaker as well, my then girlfriend was like round, round the corner in a different room and I heard her just start crying on my behalf. And I was like, oh, this is so lovely. And then... Yeah, it was such a, such a happy day and such a, such a great moment. That's a nice So, yeah, moment. it's weird. Like, there's lots of stories of people, how people get into drama school, but I, mine was a 
like a, that's a, a whirlwind mine was up and down and yeah. up and down and I was like oh god but eventually it, it turned out pretty good yeah <laughs> mine was quite funny so I yeah. I finished school I didn't do air levels I did a musical theatre course mm. at BMET in Sutton yes yeah BMET. yeah um, and loved it I had such a really nice two years there so I did that like a BTEC musical theatre thing I'd had four, three or four auditions I did three or four drama schools yeah and I didn't get into the other three. Okay. And Italian Conti was my last audition. I was like, right, okay, it's my last audition. I, ha- I knew I hadn't got into the other three before I got to Conti. Yeah. I was like, I'm just going to relax, enjoy it. Audition went, went, the first half of the day went really bad. And I was like, okay, it's already gone bad. Let's just enjoy the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. Let's see what happens. I thought, I'd, I'd mentally prepared for the same thing of having life experience and. Yeah. Travelling and working, I was working at um, Starbucks at the time in the Snowdome. Oh, I know it well, yeah. So I was working there. So I was like, I'll carry on working there and do a bit of travelling. Do I was like mentally preparing for my year and work really hard, and I'll try again next year. That's my plan. About three weeks after my audition, I was at Sutton. I was um, on my lunch break. Was on my lunch break. I oh, know the morning of the morning of I get about ten o'clock that morning I get an email yeah. from like the admin at Conti. It just said her name, and I was like, "I'm not going to open that yet. I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to enjoy my day at college. I'll open the rejection later." Yeah, take the hit in a bit. Yeah. <laughs> so then it got to, cut to about lunchtime. We were walking through walking through the college, me and some friends chatting away, and I was like. I'm just going to pull back a bit and I'm just going to check my phone. Yeah. So I let them kind of walk a bit further. Like it's time. And I'm like, <laughs> I'll, I'll open it now. And I looked. And I don't think I really processed it. Because it, it was an acceptance. I got in. Mm. And I was like, oh my God. I sort of ran to my mate, James. And I was like, oh, James, look up. I just handed him my phone. And he was really <laughs> quite calm about it. I was like, oh, James, look at this. And he went... How are you so fucking calm about this? <laughs> and she goes running. So he grabs my phone and is showing everyone. No way. And then runs into the office. We were running, we were going towards our little studios. He goes into our teacher's office. Yeah. And like just what, like doesn't knock. He just opens the door and he just goes. And I was kind of stood just behind him. And he just goes. <laughs> Todd got into Conti and. George, our singing teacher, was like, no way! (laughs) And there was this whole moment, and it was so lovely. And I rang my mum. Yeah. Because she was at work, or whatever. It was like lunchtime, and I can't remember what day it was in the middle of the week. And she was like, you're you're right, mate. She she was working in a school. (laughs) Genuine concern, like, you're right. She was working in a school at the time, so it was the end of the day. So she was like, because she'd seen a call for me, she was a bit concerned. So she was like, I'm just going to take this. Went into like the classroom cupboard or whatever to take a phone call and I was like yeah I just needed to tell you something mum I got into drum school I burst into tears my mum burst into Aww. tears it was and we were sort of stood and then my course leader and one of the other teachers were coming up the stairs and they could see me on the phone crying and they were like what's going like, on you're right like, are you alright yeah. and then my mum was like oh is that um, Lorraine is that Lorraine coming up the stairs our course leader and I was like yeah she was like oh please tell Lorraine while I'm on the phone oh, yes. so I put my mum on speaker and I told Lorraine while my mum was on the phone mm. and then Lorraine was crying and <laughs> the other teachers <laughs> that were coming up were crying and it was just so, it was such a love, like special moment because I'd yeah. the same thing mentally prepped myself for 
take a year out and see, try again next year. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, that's cool, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then we both went to Conti. Yeah, yeah. we did. Um, <laughs> loved it. So after Conti and you've graduated and stuff, yeah. what um, are your current career highs and lows so far? Because it's only Ooh. been a couple of years. We're still very much at the start yeah. of our careers. But what are the points where you've had the, your best moments in this mm-hmm. industry and kind of the... the Less. Um, yeah, that's, that's um, yeah, it's a good one. I mm. so for context, I graduated, well, sort of graduated in two thousand and twenty, which is obviously an awful year for I it. What happened that year? Yeah, mm. God, it, it wasn't catastrophic <laughs> at all. <laughs> no, my showcase didn't get cancelled my final show where i was the lead didn't get cancelled oh wait yes it did <laughs> yeah so and we never got the the final shows back which was a shame because that was that was sort of my moment the the, uh, the whole of drama school at the very last term in third year was the only time i'd finally been given the lead in a play um everything else had either been like a supporting role or like a good role or a decent role or a small role yeah and finally i'd got the lead and it was out of the three plays we were going to do it was my favorite of the three as well it was uh bluebird by simon stevens and it's it's um oh absolutely when i when i first when the castings came out and i saw what it was and then i was reading through it and i I got to the last scene and i was bawling i absolutely crying my eyes out because the sort of the last scene and and everything um yeah, because it's, it's this uh, taxi driver in Manchester and every scene is with a different character and each little story with each different character slowly reveals different things about what's happened before. Yeah. And the final reveal with Witter's wife, or I suppose ex-wife, is devastating when you realise what's happened previously was the taxi driver's fault. Yeah. Um, <laughs> didn't do any... Huge spoilers in case someone hasn't read it or seen it <laughs> yeah, yet. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's, oh, it's it's a brilliant play. So I was, I was gassed for that, and then obviously that didn't happen. Um, but then show so say so to get but get back to the question about highlights and lowlights. One of the highlights so far was I suppose over a year after graduating or graduating in inverted commas, yeah. uh, we then actually had our showcase, <laughs> which was September twenty one. Um, and obviously performing on a West End stage was great. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was annoying because back then theatres had reopened and uh, the industry, like casting directors and agents, was starting to do plenty of work from home because of bits and filming opening up yeah. in, in certain areas. However, because of everybody wanting to continue working and, and be, going to their offices and stuff like that, no one wanted to catch COVID, even though I think, like, things were open, but because of the fear of catching COVID, then having to stop working. Yeah, everyone was very cautious right now. Yeah. I remember it really so, well. Everyone was really quite, still, like, quite sceptical, which was completely fair, but yeah. it was just an odd time. So. Exactly. So people were hesitant to come back into theatres. So that combined with, I think, um, fault on the part of invites to industry meant that the eyes on our showcase were very small. Right. Um, the industry turnout was, the industry list was only about 20, which compared to the current graduating year, the 23 grads from Conti, where it was about 100 yeah. in, in their West End showcase, it's 
Wasn't this at the Worlds Apart? It was at the Garrick, yeah. So as was Criterion, nice. which was sort of almost conti tradition a bit was the Criterion. But they, they had the Garrick and it really worked. Yeah. So I really enjoyed their showcase. Oh, so I, went, oh, nice. I went to see it. I went to see it. So um, an old housemate and really good friend of mine. Uh, Rosie's in that year so I was like I'll go support her yeah, in our showcase nice. and everything it was, it was lovely and it was great to bump into like a bunch of the teachers and stuff and oh, they're, they're rec- like you know obviously recognise each other because we've worked together for four years yeah. and just be like oh my god how have you been and big Aww. hugs and everything it was, it was really lovely but yeah so the first highlight I suppose was actually getting my showcase Yeah. even, even though I'd, it was part of training but it came after yeah uh, to finally be able to, to finally still do, do it that, must, yeah. must have just been such a nice feeling. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It was almost... Because we also didn't get our final bows, which is like... So for context, me and Todd, Todd did MT and I did acting, so we were on different campuses. So we had like slightly different experiences. And in, in our campus at Avondale, um, for the acting stuff... So our, one of our tradition of final bows would be to... On our last day where we have our grab ball... Uh, we all sort of go on the main stage. Everyone gets, you know, called up. You, you take a bow, and yeah. it's sort of like this tradition is like a. And then the whole school sing parting glass to you, and it's like this really emotional oh. day, and everyone starts crying. And we didn't get that. And having sung parting glass to every other year, and not getting, it and then yourselves. not getting it ourselves. Every time I hear that song, I'm like, oh no, 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 <laughs> oh dear. Um, yeah, it's, yeah it's, 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 it was tough. So we didn't get. At, at the point of when we finally got our showcase, what we'd missed out on was final bows, grab ball, showcase, and final shows. So when we then had our showcase, it felt like almost like an amalgamation of all of them because right. we went out after as well as you do after a showcase, um, which is almost the nearest thing we could get to a grab ball. And uh, I remember the, the speech. There's always one person, shout out Joe Tapper, that does like the little speech at the end of the showcase to to the in, people invited industry to be like yeah. come and join us in the bar for a chat and etc and and um, come meet us and Joe was doing this speech and and at the very end he said something that just got me and it was we have been the Italia Conti class of 2020 and I was just like oh my god this is it this is our last hurrah as 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 Italia Conti yeah. people, yeah, because this is September 2021 at this point. Yeah. So it's like I joined Conti in September 2016 on the foundation, so it's half a decade of my life had been around yeah. Italia Conti. And when Joe said that, I was just like, oh God, I was just like, I was like, I'm going to start crying on a West End oh. stage in front of all these people, not in character. Great, <laughs> phenomenal. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's definitely. Highlight number one. Yeah. Um, highlight number two, I'm going to go with the outdoor Shakespeare tour I did in 2021 because it's just fun, isn't it? Shakespeare, even though it wasn't like, um, like the, it's not the biggest comedy there is, all's well that ends well kind of thing. It's, it's like um, there's romance and there's you know, a bit of intrigue and stuff. Yeah. Like it's, it's not one of the, you know, it's, it's not Midsummer's, it's not Comedy yeah. of Errors. It's one of the lesser done ones. However, there is still, as it's Shakespeare, no matter what play it is, even if it's some of the tragedies, there is still loads of comedy to be found yeah. in all of it. Absolutely. And yeah, and, and and we had so much fun. And my, my character had a bit of bit of stuff, and I played around with accents a load, and and just had a great time that summer. So that was that was a lot of fun. 
so I'd, I'd say that one's up there. And then probably what I'm doing right now, actually, um, which is this uh, fringe play with Proforsa Theatre Company at the Line and Unicorn Theatre in Kentish Town. Uh, we did we made a piece of theatre from scratch in 48 hours over the course of Bank Holiday Weekend in May. Uh, was it May? Yeah, it was May. Yeah, it was. Um, Which was brilliant. Oh, thank you, mate. Cheers. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> so we made this piece of theatre in 48 hours, and then we put it on for two nights on, on the Monday and Tuesday. And, yeah, it, it seemed to go pretty well. So yeah. what basically what we've, we've got now is, because it went down well, they've put two more dates in the diary for us. Oh, so so we're, we're back with a vengeance. And so I am lucky enough to be the lead in this play and obviously when I didn't get my lead at the end of uh, the end of drama school I kind of now have one and I'm like oh well this is lots of fun I can like carry the weight and the journey of an entire storyline and a whole play and get to play with that and that's one of the first times I've been able to do that and this just sort of happened all over this weekend where it was like Dan you're going to be doing this and I was like oh oh in 48 hours I've got a whole play to learn I was like Oh my god! So until until the Monday where we were performing it, until the that day where I realised, oh, I can do this off book and we'll be fine. And even if I don't get it hundred percent right, something will come out and we'll get through it. Yeah. Until that point, I was shitting myself. I was like, <laughs> how am I going to remember? I barely slept that weekend. I was just like, whatever we made in the day, I was learning it on the night, and then we back in at ten a.m. and then we go again and we finish it in the night, and it was it, go go go. So. But it was, it was, yeah, it's so much fun to do that. And I'm actually really pleased with how, it, how it's turned out. Yeah. And it's actually, like, been a really fun play. We're actually, like, we've actually made a proper play in, in that short yeah, space yeah, of time. Always, like, normally yeah. people do it for ages because you get a great team together and you just have the pressure of time and you have to make something like that. You can just some, sometimes come up with gold and we, I, we're really pleased with it. Yeah, I'm, it's, I'm it's really it. exciting. And now you've got a couple of more dates of it in the diary you've, mm. you've now got that time to kind of to polish a bit haven't you if you wanted mm. to do bits that you're like oh in 48 hours we just didn't get time to do this or let's try and do this you've now got time to time's now on your side with it really isn't it yeah in absolutely so you can now make it how you wanted to make it but because of the time constraint you couldn't make it the way you yeah for yeah. sure and it'll be Obviously, there's an element of, oh, this is fresh off the bat, how exciting. And obviously, that, that in itself is, is great to it's have in a performance because yeah. it, it gives you this energy. And it gives um, you that spontaneity as an actor. It's almost like yeah. doing improv, really, isn't it? But obviously, you've, you've, it's written, but because mm. it, it's such a short space of time, it's fresh, it's exciting, you're all yeah, it's, it's, full of it's, adrenaline. It's raw, yeah. yeah, and you... Whereas now we're gonna ha- we're having a bit more time. I'm gonna have more time to look through, you know, look through the scripts and maybe delve a bit deeper with it and see what more nuance I can put in. Yeah. Which will be fun because that's just a whole different dynamic to to the play as it is. Yeah. So hopefully that also comes out and works for it because obviously the, the spontaneity of the, the first couple of of performances really worked for the play. Yeah. And and I'm and I'm hoping the the nuance does for the second. Yeah. Exciting. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, so, so that's your most recent highlight. Is there any point yeah. that you... I was going to say, it's 
three years done since you graduated. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> it really it is. That's flown by. A, a whole year. There's been a whole bunch of people that have started and now finished drama school in the time since I've graduated. graduated. That feels weird. <laughs> so, it's a, that, is, that is weird. I keep looking at the, the first years from when I was in third year. Mm. Now in third year, and okay. yep. I don't nah. like this. I yeah. don't like this at all. Um, Absolutely not. <laughs> um, so in that you're sort of three years out of drum school, has there mm. been any point where you've gone, oh, why, why, I, why didn't they get an office job? Or, <laughs> <laughs> why didn't uh, they get a nine-to-five? Why didn't I choose something where there's more money? Yeah. <laughs> I want to go on holiday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it's weird. So there's been... Obviously, there's been been loads, particularly, you know, as a, a graduate in, like, an oversaturated industry um, where there's not a lot of jobs and stuff. There's, no, but there's never really been a point where I've gone, I wish I'd chose the other thing just because I've loved, yeah. you know, drama school and the plays I've done and the work I've done and, you know, some of the short films I've done. Uh, I've loved that so much, the point where I know this is what I want to do. It's just you're not always doing the thing that you want to do. Yeah. Which is, you know, you always hear when you're not being given work to make your own and to, and to, you know, never rest on your laurels, but it's, it's, and you, you hear it, you take it in you, and you do believe it, but you don't, there's always like a small part of your brain being like, oh, but hopefully you'll be one of the lucky ones kind of thing. Yeah. And unless you went to like, to Rada or to Lambda or whatever. They, obviously, you get people f- from there that aren't lucky as well, but chances are you, you, most of your lucky people will have been to the name places uh, just because reputation and, uh, and, and how the industry and is. And contacts as and well. Con- oh, from, massively. From, from places like that, but people's, the, the people that, the alumni and the contacts that they have in big places like yeah. that, it gets open so many doors for people yeah exactly I mean and nothing you know against, against that really because if, if I've been given that opportunity to yeah, have absolutely. those contacts then yeah. of course you take it um, yeah. uh, so it's just from from the position some of us find ourselves in it's it's you just got to you then have the lived experience of being the out of work actor the, the person who hasn't got lucky very quickly and what people say about, you know, write your own work, make your own stuff, give yourself opportunities kind of thing. The reality of that then makes what you've heard before set in a lot more. Yeah. And recently when, like, I barely had any auditions this year, if I'm being completely honest. Um, and most of them have, have been off my own back uh, rather than, you know, through, through an agent or whatever. Um, so... I, you sort of get the idea of okay, if if I want to invite people to things like casting directors to come and watch my work and then get an idea to cast me in something, then they need to see me. But I need to be doing something for them to see me. And if I'm not in anything, then I need to make something. Then they can see me. And it's like right, okay. So it's it's almost like um, you're in a catch twenty two, aren't you? Yeah. yeah. So luckily at the moment I'm doing this play and I'm obviously inviting people to come watch it. Uh, and then also I'm getting a, a new show real done in a couple of weeks nice. that I'm going to obviously send out to everyone and their bloody dog to come and watch. Yeah. I think I've watched to, to just see. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so that's me attempting to 
to do that a bit, but then also as well as that, like once once I've done done those things, if you know if if then no one bites, as, as you could probably expect to happen because the, the nature of the beast, then it's like oh okay, so the play I wrote when I was in third year for my dissertation, for example, maybe I'd work on that again, try and get it put on somewhere and. and or write another play that's easier to put on in, say, like a fringe capacity where you yeah. can you can try and get access to put on a show more easily uh, and then invite people to that. And it's like, okay, that's the kind of thing you need to be doing. And when, like when uh, particularly Conti, Conti was great for this. It was, they give you so many different techniques and things and, and ways into acting and they sort of, phrase it as your toolkit and you will try things that don't work for you and that work for other people and great and you pick pick and choose the bits that work for you once yeah. you finish training and use those to make your toolkit and and one of the things from that was creating your own work so in second year we did solo story which is you take um, a short story from your life be that an embarrassing moment or a rite of passage moment you you theatricalize it and make a five minute piece of theater on it. That's brilliant. Now, <laughs> mine mine could be a little TMI if if I go into it, but mine was an embarrassing moment one. Right. Uh, and it was rather silly, <laughs> if I do say so. Um, but that was sort of almost a a click turning point in my training where a lot of the the, the like the the main acting tutors and the, the head of the school at the time, they 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 called me in for like a good meeting at the end of that term because it was it was second year Shakespeare term and I love Shakespeare it's one of my strengths so that was quite good as well and the solo story in the same term and they had a meeting they were like yeah we weren't actually quite sure what your deal was and what 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 your bag was with acting and and where you were good and like we, no it wasn't quite clicking but then we saw your solo story. And it was just you at your most natural, being you know, being quite funny, being your brummy self, and yeah. and happy-go-lucky thing things going wrong, but then just dealing with it anyway and having fun. <laughs> um, like they they said that was the point where they got me, and that was me making my own work. So it's it's as a graduate now, and as an actor who's trying to you know grow in the industry, you you have to try and remember. The things things that work for you and try and see what you can do with those yeah. and and now it's, it's it's a case of right what can i make we're thinking oh well, i'm gonna have to do that but it's not have to do that it's i get to do that because yeah. this is this is the thing we love anyway which is really which is such a yeah and it's such a weird dynamic to be like oh no i really i should do that and um i'll have to do that and it's like no actually this is this is a pleasure and a joy. This yeah. is what I chose, and this, this part of the job is to make your own stuff. And if it become, if it does feel like that, if it does end up feeling like a chore, then creating your own work isn't for you. But mm. if it's something that you're really enjoying and passionate about, and going, oh, I get to potentially something that I've written and I'm really, yeah. I've put all my heart and soul in, could be seen by hundreds of people you never like you never yeah, yeah. exactly um, so yeah I think the emphasis of people you know putting onto making your own work it really it, after a little while from not being at drama school anymore it sort of sets in and you go actually that's something in a good way that I need to do I'm like for myself and obviously because it would be helpful 
um, career-wise. But as well as solo story in second year, with as I mentioned, my the play I wrote in third year for my dissertation, like every third year at, at Conti for the dissertation, writes, directs, and puts on a play yeah. over Easter in in the school. So it's almost like it's almost like a um, like say the Cameron Fringe or like a mini Ed, yeah. Ed Fringe because you see in the space of a few days or maybe five days you watch maybe 28 pieces of brand yeah. new theatre off the bat with all your friends in them it's it's the most magical week it's, it's absolutely fantastic in the end we had to do as online so as was a bit different unfortunately um, but that's a whole story in itself <laughs> so but having written and created a play for that and I loved making mine. Yeah. It was... I'm, I'm working on um, a re-edit of it at the moment, actually, uh, because I, I converted it to online, so mine's basically become sort of like a movie. I'm sort of doing like an edit of that, so then nice. have it as like a finished product. Because I wasn't quite happy with how it was when I submitted it, because um, around the time of, you know, 2020 summer, and then my nan passed away around that time yeah. while I was making it, so I got an extension, and then I didn't quite finish it the way I wanted it, so... The moment I'm trying to finish it the way I like it, even though it's a few years later, and then <laughs> if my cast listen to this from from it, they'll be rolling their eyes because they'll be. I've been saying, oh, it's been coming for years, <laughs> but now I'm actually finally doing it. Because <laughs> finally, oh, because they 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 message kept messaging me in 2020, 2021, being like, oh, can can we see it? Can we see? Because they'd have no, they they done it over zoom and acted what i told them to act but they've no idea what it looks like and how it all fits together with each other and stuff because yeah. they all recorded remotely and and yeah so i'm now finally working on that and it's sort of got those um that sort of passion of your own work yeah like that that's back up and running now because i've been working on a re-edit of that and i'm like i'm i love yeah. this it's so much yeah. Like, yeah that's really exciting so i think for me now going forward it's that excitement of doing things myself it's like okay let's crack on with this and if anything else comes up in the meantime fantastic if it doesn't i've got my own thing to work on yeah that's exciting yeah, that's man. really exciting so as a grafting actor have you got any advice for the performers whether they're just coming out of drama school or whether it's people that are looking to go to drama school or whether it's people in the industry of Struggling, have you got any pearls of wisdom that you've learnt along the way which you would like to pass on to other people? Most of them that are the big ones that are inevitably the truth do end up becoming a little bit cliche because you always hear them. But we're okay with cliche. But we're, we're, we're cool with it because Here it's at the Dream truth. Productions, we love cliche. <laughs> <laughs> love it. <laughs> so, um, the one for me which is more something I've struggled with myself, to be honest, even even since graduating, is work ethic and working hard. Like, I self-admitted have always been, I say always, maybe I wasn't when I was a kid, but I've I've been one of those people that will get things done last minute, who will, right. oh, there's a deadline and it's in two weeks, great, start it with one hour till the deadline, that kind of thing, right. and then, like, do it overnight the night before, and it's not healthy at all. So <laughs> it's it's awful and it, it kills me. So my my advice to anyone is prioritize sleep and find something that motivates you to work your bollocks off. Yeah. Because 
in the moments where you feel unmotivated, you're just letting yourself down so much on the potential of what you could achieve. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm even to this day battling with that myself and trying to make sure I actually get shit done because often I'll, I will procrastinate, you know, become a slave to the algorithm and just <laughs> mindlessly yeah. scroll and yeah. just lose hours and days. And it's find, actively find something that kicks your ass into gear. And that's something I'm trying to find myself as well yeah. at the moment. Absolutely. I, I think we're all a slave to that. And it's, and it's completely okay to be like that. But then there's a point where you, get, you need to go, like you say, find something mm. where you go, you know what, I'm really passionate about this and really want to do this and really want to work yeah. on X, Y, and Z. So my friend's to one side for one day Literally and I'm going to graft and really work hard. Flight mode that shit because, yeah. my God. Honestly, yeah. I might start. I might lob it out the window. Might, oh, mm. it's more tempting each day. It is. <laughs> it is. I, lie, I lie on the sofa and I go, scroll for ages, then I go. You check the time mm. and it's crippling. And then I go, God, I hate the internet. <laughs> <laughs> you scroll onto that one post that then then said, sort of brings you into an awareness of what you're doing. Yeah. And you go, oh, God. And you go, okay, it's bedtime now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, that's really that's yeah. really sound advice. Really prioritize sleep, work hard, work your balance off. Yeah, yeah, I love that. So my final question is mm. the name of this podcast. So Dan, what does theatre mean to you? Whoa. Have a little, have a little yeah, moment. Yeah, it's a process. It's a, it's a, juicy, it's, it's it's a juicy one. Very, as I do like to say, it's juicy. It's juicy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a juicy question. Um, what does theatre mean to me? I try and keep it succinct, but there is a, a few things. Yeah. Um, there's an element of escapism and the idea of, you know, storytelling and entering a world that is completely not your own and getting lost in it and fascinated by it. And stories that do that can often, you know, change your perspective on 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 anything, really, on, on life and or they can inspire you massively. So I think to me it's important because it allows you to do that. And once once you've got lost in that way in something, like you always want that more. Yeah. And yeah, t to me that is important because there's no feeling quite like it. So it, it means a lot to me in that way because I just find that important. And one one thing I always I always remember thinking throughout training was like, people deep things a lot, and it can get very serious. But one thing theatre is supposed to be, even when you're covering serious stuff, there's always a bit of light relief. Like, theatre's supposed to be fun. Yeah. Like, it's, it's called, it's a play. You're doing a play. What yeah. you're supposed to do, you're supposed to play with it. Yeah. And when you find the play, even in the serious stuff, and have fun with it. Because imagine you're doing, like, a 12-month run of a show, and it's a really depressing show. You've got to find a way to have fun with it, otherwise by the end of 12 months, you're just going to be drained. 100%. So I think, to me, theatre means fun, because yeah. it has to, and, it, and it's a play. 100%. That's yeah. lovely. That is really nice. Well, Dan, that is all my questions. Thank you so much for taking time to be on the podcast. It's been really nice chatting to you. Thank you for having me. Um, no problem. I'll stop the record now and then we'll probably carry on chatting for a bit. Love that. Cool. Thank you. Thanks.
And that was episode five. Thank you so much to Dan for being a part of the podcast. It was such a lovely chat, so it was really nice to get him on. Be sure, as always, to check out what our guests are up to and follow Dan's career. He's got some really exciting things in the pipeline, his own works that he's working on, so keep your eyes peeled for those. This has been a Dugan production. Thank you so much to Acast for hosting our podcast. And yeah, if you like it, as always, please leave us a little review or tell your friends. Um, I'd like to keep doing this and spread it to as many people as I possibly can. So word of mouth is a wonderful thing. Um, And that is all my parish notices. So take care and I shall see you again next week.